Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. Well, I do want to welcome you to our new series, One Prayer. We began this series in June with a partnership of over a thousand churches around the world. And that means literally we are going to be coming together with hundreds of thousands of other believers across the world to globally raise up the name of Jesus and actually pray together and fast together during this month. And um, last week we gave you that card that said if, if you were certain God was listening, could answer one prayer, what would it be? And it was amazing. So many people asked for relational things, men my marriage, help me find a spouse, give me guidance in my career, serious stuff, and, uh, and a lot of individual prayers. And the neat thing was our staff, the Liquid staff, came together last week and we prayed for those people. Many of you we prayed for by name, maybe you received an email from our e-care or e-prayer teams. Um, that is your way of being sure that we know kind of what's going on in your life. And if there's a way we can pray for you, always write that down on your connection card. You have a chance to do that again tonight. But, but tonight, we actually, it's really great because we are not taking just individual prayers, but we're talking about corporate prayer. That is, if you were certain God was absolutely listening, what would you pray for the church at large? Not just our church, but I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ around the world. Today, you know one thing is certain. Hundreds of thousands of men and women are gathering around the world in different types of churches. Some of them are cathedrals in Europe. Some of them are basement or underground churches in China. Some of them are one-room churches in the Midwest. Some of them are mega churches in California. There's rumors that there are even churches meeting in hotels in New Jersey. There are churches of every shape and every size, every style. Some of them very formal. Some of them a little bit more casual. Some of them real contemporary, kind of like us. Some of them a little bit more traditional. And that is awesome. But the cool thing is this, is that one prayer was inspired by a church actually in Oklahoma of all places. And uh, it's a church called LifeChurch.tv. And they are a creative Christian church. And they're kind of a kindred spirit with us. And they're led by a senior pastor who's by the name of Craig Rochelle, who we'll be hearing from actually today. And, and the concept is really kind of cool because the idea was over the thousand churches that were, were, were participating, we were invited to submit video content. That is a message that kind of reflected the teaching, the things we're thinking about and talking about here and, and submit that. And then through the month of June, we get exposure to what all sorts of other churches are talking about. And there are a lot of churches of different ethnicities, different, um, you know, socio economic backgrounds and just crossing all that those kind of lines that divide and bringing the church together uh worldwide the church is just kind of you know the church of jesus just kind of gets a black eye all the time just kind of throwing rocks at each other who's in who's out who belongs why my church is better than yours which denomination is better and we're like what if we cut all that crap and actually said we are coming back to the basics and the essentials of the christian faith that jesus died for our sins he was rose from the grave on the third day to give us new life and none of us are perfect and we have more in common in our brokenness than we do in our perfection and what if we focused on that and, and it's a neat thing because we sent uh, in our, our video to, uh, to One Prayer, and, and I'll actually be writing a devotional for the OnePrayer.com uh, blog, kind of as a cool way of coming together and, and cross-pollinating uh, as a church in, in one stand never before. Now, as I said, today you're going to be hearing from Craig Rochelle, who's the lead pastor of LifeChurch.tv, and his prayer for the church at large, which is a bold prayer. It's Jesus' prayer in John 17, which is, Father in heaven, make 
us one. And it is a prayer for unity. It's a prayer for unity that flows out of the Gospel of John chapter 17. I want to invite you to take your Bible if you would. You can turn to page 751. Um, and this is really a powerful prayer because it's the last prayer that Jesus prayed actually before he was crucified. And today you're going to see that Pastor Craig actually came to New York City to film a portion of our teaching this week. And, uh, and that's kind of a cool thing. You're going to see him on the streets of Manhattan. But the cool kind of, you know, symbiotic thing is that some of our liquid staff, Susie, will actually be flying out to Oklahoma City next week to visit on location with them. So this is kind of a cool way to kind of partner and, and cross-pollinate and hear back and forth from brothers and sisters in a different part of our country, in a different part of the, around the world. So as you turn to John 17, let me pray, and I'm going to ask God just to prepare our hearts for one prayer. Father, thank you so much um, for the gift of your life. And we know that, Father, you were intimately connected to Jesus, so much so that he said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And that's your prayer for us. And Father, we have not done that perfectly. And we come to you more maybe in repentance today, Father, than out of rah-rah. And, uh, and we come to you, Lord, humbly and asking that your spirit would do something and bring us together and foster a sense of Christian unity that really makes the world sit up and say, oh my goodness, something is different and it must be from God. So we pray that, Lord, and, and we pray for your continued blessing on Craig Rochelle, Life Church, and all the other thousands of churches that are involved in one prayer. Amen. spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. There's one important word that stands out in this one important text, and that is the word one. That's why if I had one prayer that God would answer for the church at large, I would pray, Father in heaven, make us one. Welcome today to churches all over the world. My name is Craig Rochelle, and I'm the pastor of LifeChurch.tv. And this is truly one of the greatest honors in my entire life to get to be a part of such a historic event. Imagine this right now, around the world, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches standing together, hundreds of thousands of committed believers uniting together for one prayer. 
I want to welcome all of you today and remind you this week to be a part of the dialogue and the prayer and the passion by visiting OnePrayer.com as we've got literally hundreds of thousands of believers around the world who will be fasting together and praying together and seeking God as we pray together, my one prayer that I would pray for the church, if you're taking notes, write this down. What would my one prayer be? It would be, Father in heaven, make us one. In fact, what I'd like to do is I want to give you just a little bit of the history behind this series. This, this series was born not as much out of my passion for unity as much as it was out of my own personal failures. I'll give you an example. Uh, one day I was at my house and some guy came and actually knocked on the door and I came to the front door and there was a really nice looking guy who was just as friendly as could be. And what I realized is he was there to share his faith with me. And so I thought to myself, this is pretty cool. I'll give the guy a shot, you know, I'll see, I'll see just how good he is. And so he started into his whole little deal and he's telling me that I was a sinner and that there was a savior and he's going through all this deal and I'm kind of listening to it. And, and I thought he's doing a good job, but then suddenly I felt just a little bit guilty, you know, because I'm already a Christian. So I just stopped him and said, man, you're doing a great job and I'm just, I'm excited that you're here, but I've got to level with you. I'm already a very committed believer. And the guy, he just like, whoa, that's great. Woo! That's incredible. He goes, I'm so pumped. He goes, man, you got to come to my church. I'm a part of the best church in the whole wide world. And he started going on and on about his church. And so, again, I felt kind of guilty. And so I said, well, again, i got to be honest with you. I'm rather involved <laughs> in my own local church. And, and, and so he said, oh, that, that's really cool. What, what church do you go to? And I said, well, actually... I go to lifechurch.tv, and when I said that, his countenance changed. He, he went from excitement to, to a very real look of concern. Because you go to Life Church, and, uh, and, so he, and, and he looked over his shoulder, and he said, my pastor said your pastor doesn't preach the truth. I said, tell your pastor that the pastor of LifeChurch.tv can whoop him any day of the week. And that's the truth, okay? And I didn't say that, but I wanted to. And so, in my mind, there was not a sense of unity and love and peace toward this other church. In fact, if I was really honest, every time I thought of this church, I had... Not nice feelings. I, I had a kind of a spirit of competition and, and I, I didn't think very highly of this group until one day I was reading scripture and God convicted me of just how incredibly sinful my competitive heart had become. This series is, is born out of my repentance. And my humble desire, not to be competitive against other believers, but instead to unite the church of Jesus Christ around the world. Father in heaven, make us one. 
Uh, I was not the first to pray this prayer at all. In fact, our Savior and Lord Jesus was in John 17, verse 20 through 24. We see Jesus praying a prayer for his disciples, for the believers. You could say he's praying this prayer for all of you who are believers around the world at this moment. Here is the prayer of Jesus for his church. He prayed this in verse 20. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He said, that all of them may be what? Churches around the world, help me out. He said, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that, watch this, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, Jesus said this. He said, I have given them the glory that you gave me. That what may they be? Help me out again, Jesus said, that they may be one as what are we? He said, as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me. Jesus prayed, may they be brought to what? He said, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Imagine this. We often pray to Jesus and ask him to answer our prayers. What if we, as churches across the world, became the answer to his prayer when Jesus prayed, Father, make them one? How do you think we're doing? Do you think we're a unified group or do you think we're rather divided? I went on the street and asked some people just to find out how we are as a church. I really can't answer that question right now. Okay. It's one of them questions he's going to ask me. I don't know. We got good ones and bad ones. That's a bad one. Then. Okay. What would you say? I'd say my name's Keith. I'm trying to be a celebrity, y'all. You are. Uh, <laughs> you are, yes. Yeah. Um, are you guys willing to answer a question for us? All right, no problem. Well, we're, we're just trying to figure out if people think that Christians are, are a unified group or if they're divided. I would say unified, but like in a sense divided at the same time. Like you know, there like people can relate at like you know on a certain level, but there's like a certain like denomination of like Christians where like my answer is right, or like another person is like my answer is right too. As you maybe look at Christians from the outside, do you think that they're a really united group, or do you think that they, they tend to do a lot of fighting? What would you say? Fighting, a lot of fighting, fighting, fighting. fighting. hypocritical. As, as a non-Christian, when you see that, does that make you want to be a Christian, or does no, no, it doesn't. I think they're pretty divided. I mean, you know, they're just, they're all Christians and they're all different and they're all divided. I think the way Christianity is in the world today turns off people to organize religion. Because I think people in Christianity, they uh, they separate themselves from the rest of the world so much. It's like, hey, if you're not one of us, then uh, then we won't, we don't care what you really have to say. So I think they're divided because there's so many... Um, ways to be a Christian out there, so that nobody really knows which one's the right one, so they're divided a lot. Uh, I think Christians are just simply divided right down the middle. You either believe Jesus is God, and we look up to Him, and we sub- we're subservient to Him, or you recognize Jesus the way, for instance, I do, which is He said that, in other words, the story of Christ is the story of ourselves. We are the Son of God. We live as the Son of God. You know, you're either on one side or the other. Do you, do you know some Christians? 
Um, no, not really. <laughs> Christianity, I think, is a, is a dying faith. Uh, it's been dying, I think, for the past decade, and it's only getting worse. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it, with people that view outsiders as like, well, you're not going to heaven because you don't believe in what we believe in. So I think I think that's a big problem. I feel like the Christian family as a whole, everyone in America and the world, they're all falling apart. Christianity is really falling apart, and it's not what it was meant to be. If you were going to give some advice to the Christians that are fighting all the time, what would you tell them? Stop fighting. Love you. Stop fighting. Love, not hate. Because we're all supposed to be brothers and sisters, and that's what that's what they're teaching. So if they do that, if they practice what they're actually preaching, then I think that'd probably be the best advice I could give them, even though they probably wouldn't listen. You have to admit, we're not doing a very good job, are we? In fact, as I had these conversations, and I went back to my room and just kind of internalized what I heard, it, it made me incredibly nauseous. I wanted to say to people, can we just start over? Because for those who are not believers, that their view of those of us who are, it's not very high. Truthfully, it's got to break the heart of God. When he looks at his kids and we can't even get along, for example, my wife Amy and I, we have six kids. That's right, six kids. Some people say, do you guys know what caused that? And the answer is, yes, we do. We're just not willing to give that up. Right? There's, there's few things that, that hurt us more than, than when our kids fight. And, and our kids are good kids, but if you want to see a fight, all you have to do is put them in the back of a car and go on a long trip, and they fight like crazy. But the good news is they actually fight over very important things. They, they, they really do. You know, they fight over who gets to sit in the middle. I want to sit in the middle. And who has to sit by so-and-so. And, and, and who gets to choose you know, the song on the radio. And so we've even tried to put up invisible barriers between them. But the problem is they break the barriers, and they, they touch each other, and because of their fighting, it's made me do the very thing that I thought I would never, ever do. My dad used to do it, and now I say it. I look in the rearview mirror. I'm like, I'll pull this car over. I, I, I will. Don't make me come back there. If, if, I, if I have to come back there, it's not going to be good. I mean, things have not changed that much since I was a kid, except for seatbelts and airbags because when we were a kid you didn't have to wear a seatbelt you could sit in the front seat without a seatbelt at all because your mama was your seatbelt anybody know what I'm talking about I mean you could come up to a stop and what will mama do <laughs> right that was your seatbelt and so you wouldn't get hurt by a car wreck you get hurt by mama when she did this which is actually how they came up with the airbag because a kid was riding with grandma and you know how grandma has that little thing right here You know what I'm talking about? And a poor little kid and grandma does what's natural and there's just... It's like... Airbag. And so... No, no sorry about that. You, you know how to, I, So here I'm picturing God looking at us, his kids, sitting in the back, arguing. They're not doing the right music over important things, mind you. They've got seats and not pews. They're using the wrong version of the Bible. They don't dress the right way for church. 
And I can just picture the, the heart of God breaking. Don't make me come back there. I'll, I'll pull this car over. As, as his kids can't even get along. What would it take to unify believers around the world? What would it take to unify the church? In my opinion, Scripture teaches us three ones that it would take to bring unity in the family of Christ. That The first one, if you're taking notes, is very obvious. What would unify the church? And that would be one enemy. If we would recognize that we have a, a spiritual enemy who is attacking the cause of Christ. So what is not our enemy? The church down the street that lets out 15 minutes earlier than your church so everybody beats you to lunch, they're not the enemy. The denomination across town is not the enemy. The, the guy on television that's, that, that maybe you don't like as much is not the enemy. What we have is a spiritual enemy. His name is Lucifer. His name is Satan. He is the prince of darkness. He is the evil one. He is the liar. He is the deceiver. He is the destroyer. He is the one who wants to bring division in the church because where there is no vision, the people perish. D is divided or two, vision, divided, two visions. Where there is no vision, we can't do what God wants us to do. We need to have a common vision. In fact, this is heartbreaking. There's a church in my hometown who changed the style of its worship music. And you're not going to believe what happened. Maybe you will, and the sad thing is you, you will. There were other churches in the same denomination who took out full-page ads in the newspaper against this other church for changing the style of their music. So I'm thinking to myself as a non-believer, wow, this is exciting. Oh, oh man, I want to be a part of that, but I can't decide which one. Do I want to be a part of the angry group who's taken out the full-page ad against the other church? Or do I want to be a part of the rebellious one who's got the wrong style of music? What would it take? One enemy, which we already have. Uh, I, I don't know if any of you were part of a, a sorority or a fraternity in college or elsewhere. I was part of a fraternity which was really, really fun because there was this fraternity down the street that we hated for no reason. We just, we hated them because they wore a different color shirt and they had different letters on their, their shirt. And so, you know, we pretty much existed to destroy them. And if we could just win at flag football, then God was pleased forever and ever. We hated them. We had cheers against them. We're great. You're not. And, and we, we, we tried to destroy each other until one time the baseball players egged their fraternity house and egged our fraternity house. And all of a sudden we became friends with the other fraternity. Why? Because we had a common enemy who hated us both. And we wanted to beat them up. But the baseball players dipped snuff and carried baseball bats which was very intimidating to us frat boys. <laughs> Suddenly, though, we were united because we had a common enemy. And as believers around the world right now, we have to recognize the evil one is trying to destroy us. In fact, here's what Scripture says about him. Jesus said this in John 10.10, 10, speaking of Satan. He called him a thief, and he said, The thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. What does he want to do? He wants to steal our unity. He he wants to kill our churches. And he wants to destroy Christianity. You, You may wonder, how do I know this? Well, believe it or not, he told me. Well, hello, Satan. Congratulations, y'all. Oh, oh. no. Every time. Wish I could time. say it was good to see you, but I can't. The feelings mutual, so we're good. Can you get rid of that cookie? You know we're fasting for one. You, I'm one sorry. Prayer. You want to go halfsies on this? No, no. You're fasting? No. I had no idea. You know what I'm going to say to you? I know. Get thee behind me or something like that. I was curious. When it comes to the church, mm-hmm. what, what's your strategy? I'm growing to like the church, honestly. Uh, you know, they, they stay mad at each other half the time. They hate each other. They hate the rest of the world. So, I mean, I sit back and watch the fights like everybody else. You know what I'm talking about? So you're pretty good at division in the church. How is it that you pull this off? One of the easiest ways to make somebody just think that they're right, that they're completely and totally right. Another big thing, Bible versions. Everyone knows, myself included, King James is the only way to go. Uh, it's what I have in my personal library. I don't read it. I need to set the record straight on that. I don't read it. Um, but you wouldn't see me reading one of those hippie versions of the Bible with all uh, street language, hip-hop, Jesus stuff. You give me a scenario, I can tell you how I can make somebody fight about it. How about politics? Politics, easy. Christians are all Republicans, Craig. We've known that from day one. How about music? Uh, music. The music's too loud. Do I have five people singing? Can we really play secular music in the church? Lord, I lift your name on high. Come on! This is, this is kids' play here. How about alcohol? Uh, okay, no Christians drink, except that, uh-oh, Jesus turned water into wine, which I was there. Most people think it was red. It was white sin. It was, uh, I mean, I didn't drink it, but it was, uh, I was there. Saw it. How about entertainment? Entertainment? Uh, did you see what I did to Disney? I'm the king! I rest my case, Craig! I can't let the church be united. Uh, I mean, you've, you've heard the saying, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand, or... Yeah, it's, it's in the Bible. It's what? It's in the Bible? What? <laughs> Wow, that's that's embarrassing. Can we? I'm sorry. Satan, have you ever been to a church board meeting? Absolutely. I go every Tuesday. If you've never seen a deacon just straight up cuss in the middle of church at another deacon, it's it's a sight to behold. So, what does it do to you when believers do come together? Well, I don't know if you've ever been kicked out of a club when the club's just going off and there's a great DJ and drinks are half price, but. It's the same feeling, you know? As long as I can keep denominations talking about what makes them them and what they believe and what those other people believe. You know, they're not talking about the J, the J guy. Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to warn you once. Uh, if you say that again, I'm going to leave. Because I, I, you know. So when I say just, Jesus, you can't take no, it? You know what? No, turn that camera off. That's it. Hey, where are you going? No, that's it. That's hey. It. Hey, Satan, you forgot your cookie. Eat it, Craig. All right, well, it's obvious that there's some humor in there, but I hope you don't miss the the power of the truth that there is an evil one who is bent on dividing the church. Here's what Scripture says about him, 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9. The Bible says this, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to what? Scripture says to to devour. Here's what we're told to do. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the what? Help me out. Throughout the, the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What would it take 
to unify the church. The first thing it would take, one enemy. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is it would take one heart. It would take one heart. Notice I didn't say it would take one style of worship or one philosophy of doing church because the truth is unity is not the same thing as uniformity. In fact, there's strength in our diversity. We can have different ways of doing church, but one heart for Jesus and for people. In fact, this is reflected in, in the New Testament church in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and 34, where Scripture says this, that all of the believers, they were in what? Say it aloud. They were one in heart and mind. Check this out. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything that they had. Now, what was the result of this unified heart? Verse 34 says, there was what? Would you say it aloud and feel the impact of this truth? There were no needy persons among them. What would happen if we who are believers became so generous and so compassionate that we didn't hold on to our silly material possessions, but if someone else was in need, we would sell that to meet their need. For those of you in Brazil right now, what if we saw you as sisters and brothers, and if you had a need, we would meet it? For those of you in Great Britain right now at this moment, what if we saw you as a part of the family of God? For those of you in Africa, and for those of you in in India, and for those of you in Canada, and for those of you in Mexico, and for those of you all over the world, what if we saw ourselves as what we are, sisters and brothers in Christ? And then when the world looks on, they say, there's something there compelling that I want to be a part of. How will they know we truly love Jesus? There's only one way. They will know it by our love. In fact, this is what Scripture says. John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said this, A new command I give to you. Here it is. What is it? Say it aloud. Churches around the world. What is the command? It is to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must what? You must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you what? If you love one another. Where will it start? It starts with you. It starts with me. One time I did a wedding, and I was supposed to say the two would become united and become one flesh, but I had a typo on my piece of paper, and instead of typing united, I typed untied. Very bad at a wedding. United, untied. I looked at it, and there was one letter out of place. Guess what letter was out of place? The letter I. If I am in the proper place, the word says united. If I am in the wrong place, the meaning becomes untied. It starts with us. What would it take? It would take one enemy. It would take one heart. The third thing, if you're taking notes, is it would take one purpose. This is what Jesus said. He declared our purpose. Matthew 28, verse 19. He said, therefore what? Say it aloud. Jesus said, therefore, say it again. Churches around the world, therefore, go and do what? He said, and... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, go, make disciples. He didn't tell people to come in. In fact, the, the Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. Ek means out. 
Ecclesia, it comes from the word kaleo, which means called ones. The most literal translation for church, Ecclesia, is called out ones. Sadly, though, today, many of us, we've bought into a consumer mindset in the church. Come to our church. And now people, they even use consumer phrases. I'm church shopping. I'm looking for a church that meets my needs. I'm looking for a church that makes me feel good. For those of you around the world who are believers, when have we forgotten that we are the church? The church does not exist for us, but we are the church and we exist for the world. You see, we're not a civic club. We're not a place to meet friends. We are a part of the body for which Christ died. The problem is, we're playing for ourselves and not for Him. I watched a movie called The Goal. It's a soccer movie. Now, for those of you around the world, you call it football, which technically makes us look stupid because it is football. But we call football something with big fat guys that play with a ball in their hands. But football, soccer. Anyway, it's a soccer movie, football. And in the movie, there was this genius player, but he wouldn't pass. And the coach said to him, your problem is you're playing for the name on the back of your jersey and not the name on the front. And I would say that's part of the problem in the church world today is we're playing for the name on the back. I don't know what the name on the back of your jersey is. It might be First Baptist Church. It might be uh, Resurrection United Methodist Church. It might be uh, First Assembly of God. It might be Journey Church. It might be Holy Ghost Temple of Praise Zion and the Shepherd of the Rod of the Apostolic Ministry of Church and God in Christ. Holy Ghost Baptist Temple of Praise. But it's not about the name on the back. It's about the name on the front. It's about the name of Jesus. And when the world stops hearing about Jesus, but actually sees him through the church, they won't be able to say no to him. Think about this. What would happen if we, the church, across the world, united and took all the resources that God has given us, and we became one. What do you think God could do through us this week if we became one? Let me tell you what God could do. By Monday, starvation around the world could be eliminated. By Tuesday, every person could have access to clean drinking water. By Wednesday, everyone with a medical need could receive proper medical attention. By Thursday of this week, Poverty could be completely eradicated. But by Friday of this week, every orphan with a need could receive adequate medical attention. And by Saturday of this week, the whole world could not only know the name of Jesus, but they could see him if we became one. And then on Sunday of next week, oh yeah, on Sunday, <laughs> we would worship like we've never worshipped before. Because the world would know the glory and the power and the love of Jesus through his people. That's why if I had one prayer to pray, my prayer would be, Father in heaven, make us one. Stand together, Father. We want to join in that prayer as we stand. We want to unite, Father. And we want to pray not just for our church, Father, but literally your church around the world, Father. You're so much bigger than denominations, Father, than territory, than countries, Lord, beyond borders, beyond races, beyond 
ethnicities, everything, Father, blurs because we have a oneness in Jesus Christ. So, Father, we want to pray right now, even for the churches right here in our town. We want to pray for the Presbyterian Church on the green, Dave Carpenter, God. Bless their church, Father. Grow that. Let them reach people we will never reach. Father, we pray for our Spanish brothers and sisters. La Iglesia Alianza right here in the, uh, they meet in the movie theater in this in this uh, facility, Father. We pray for them. Bless Dean Bracewell. Bless the Vineyard Church, Father. Bless Morristown community. We pray, Father, for their growth. We pray for their blessing, Father. We're not in competition, but use us together to make an impact for you. That's eternal, Father. Thank you so much for this great word and the challenge, Father, um, to think globally, to think bigger. Think kingdom, not turf. And I pray that, Lord, you would take it to heart and move it into our DNA as a church. We ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.